Hello, everybody. This is Steve Pixler. Welcome to the Steve Pixler Podcast. It's a joy to be back with you again. If you've been following along, then you know by now that everything we talk about is always rooted in the kingdom of God. Today will be no exception. I want to talk about the kingdom of God from a particular perspective that seems to be a recurring problem for me, and that is the question of the relevance of the kingdom of God. What does it actually matter to the guy on the street, to the average Christian on the church pew, the ordinary person living out life and business and work and pleasure? What does it really mean to the everyday individual? Now, this is a big deal because it is the greatest barrier, I think, to the embrace of the gospel of the kingdom is for many people, they just don't see what's in it for them. So we're going to talk about that just a bit. Join me as we discuss the relevance of the gospel of the kingdom. Now, as I mentioned, we always talk about the kingdom of God on the Steve Pixar podcast. This is the thing that drives me. It's the thing that moves me. It is the thing. I think it's the reason I'm on the planet. I'm not trying to be melodramatic here. I just really feel like that living to communicate this message is really why I live and breathe. So it's something that I work on every day. It's always in everything that I think about, talk about, speak about, sing about, write about. It's in my conversations always as an underlying theme. But then there's always this this uh, recycling, recircling worry or concern that comes back round in my mind. Now, I know it's rooted in the fear of man, so it's it's not a good thing, but it's not only the fear of man. It's also motivated by my love for people and the fact that I actually want to help people live out their life in the fullest. The fear of man side of it is the concern that what I'm preaching would not be perceived as relevant to the guy on the street, to the average person. But the love side of it says, but hang on a second. I know that if people get hold of this message, it will utterly transform their lives. And so I kind of have that seesaw in my mind going on all the time. I'll speak on a Sunday and Sunday evening and Monday, I'll spend a good part of the day pushing back in my mind against this voice that says, what you're saying really doesn't matter. No one really is interested in that. And of course, there is some truth to it in that we're all self-absorbed humans, and so we often tend to tune out the things that do not immediately strike us as being um, to my advantage. All humans operate out of self-interest. That's because we all have a self. It's not complicated. And yet, the call of the gospel is to deny self. That's not the obliteration of self, but it's the death and resurrection of self, which means I'm dying to my old self, my pseudo-self, and I'm being born again in the new self that I was created to be actually before time began. But that tension, that struggle, that self-interest idea, little Ayn Rand there, if you've ever read Atlas Shrugged or any of her books, you know that that's self-interest on steroids. That's like almost like almost like philosophical narcissism. It's, it just takes it to an extreme. And radical, rugged individualism is often driven by it. And it's not that it's all wrong. We do actually have to have some degree of self-interest. But the challenge here when we're talking about the gospel of the kingdom 
is how do we communicate the gospel of the kingdom to where people understand this message really does matter to me. It really does matter to me. Now, the reason the gospel of the kingdom matters is because you were created to be a king. You were created to be a king, and that's male or female. You were created to rule with God. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we generally think of God's rule. It's the kingdom of God. It's his rule. But the kingdom of God is never God's rule alone. It's always the kingdom of God and his rule and our rule with him. That's rooted in the very opening days of creation. When he created all things on the sixth day, he made humans and he put them in the garden. And he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill up the earth and subdue it, take dominion, sky, earth, and sea, over the fowls of the air, beasts of the field, fish of the sea. And he said, this is your, basically in so many words, this is your mandate. What's interesting is it starts off saying, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, God revealed to them right there that the the root of blessing, of the blessedness of life, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are the, that blessedness, what we often call happiness, fulfillment, meaning, significance. It's all rooted in this creation mandate. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill up the earth and subdue it, take dominion over the sky, earth, and sea. This means that your blessedness is rooted in this original creation mandate. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, what we're really talking about is the restoration of that original purpose. So why does it matter to the average man on the street? Why does it matter to the average woman in an office working somewhere? Why does it matter to a parent? Why does it matter to a husband or to a wife or to a child or, or to a business owner or to a truck driver? Why does it matter? Well, because your personal purpose your individual reason for being on the planet is going to be discovered in the kingdom of God, in the rule of God and your co-rule with him, your co-laboring, your co-reigning with him. This is why Jesus says, and this is not just an arbitrary statement, he's not just saying this out of some sort of religious command that's not legalistic, but this is why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added to you. Why? Because if you seek first the rule of God and your co-rule with him, if you seek first the kingdom of God and how it plays out in your heart, in your family, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your finances, in your career, in your work, in your education, in your hobbies, in everything that you put your hands to, if you see your life as being lived in a co-reigning, co-ruling, co-laboring effort with God, then everything else begins to fall into place. Jesus knows that we were built for this. We were made, the psalm says, Psalm 8, we were made a little lower than the angels and crowned with glory and honor and set over the works of his hands. God created everything so that the universe would become his cosmic temple. 
and we are the image of God within that temple. We are, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you visit him. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. We are the only image permitted in God's temple. Any other image is an idol. But we are God's image in his cosmic temple, the, the heavens and the earth, the, the universe, this creation that he made, both the invisible and the visible. That's the place you and I were created to live in. We were made in the image of God. Then we were crowned with glory and honor. And there is a longing within every one of us for glory and honor. We were created for glory. This is that desire, man's search for meaning, as Viktor Frankl put it in his amazing book, which everyone should read, by the way. But man's search for meaning. Why do we need meaning? Why do we need the purpose-driven life, as Rick Warren put it? Why do we need a, a significance to our life? It is because you were created for that. God has set eternity in our hearts. There is a transcendent longing within every human, and that longing can only be fulfilled by discovering how you were individually, personally handcrafted by God to share with him in his rule over creation so that creation would manifest not only the invisible God who, are, who is clearly seen by the things which are made. In other words, God is manifest through our creational dominion. He is manifest through the glory of our creative partnership with him. But not only is God manifest, you are manifest. I am manifest. We are manifest. So he said, you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It is in that mutual exchange of creativity as we come into partnership with God that the glory of God, that glory and honor begins to be manifest through what? He set us and crowned us with glory and honor and set us over the works of his hands. So the works of his hands become the works of our hands as well. We put our hands in his hands and together the hands of God in the hands of man bring creation to all of its latent, hidden undiscovered potential. We begin to bring it into that place of glory that he intended creation to come into. These are what I often call the artifacts of glory. This is when glory begins to be embodied. This is when the ineffable, mysterious, abstract glory of God, the invisible attributes of God begin to be visibilized. They begin to manifest. They are manifested in the world. And as that happens in our lives, as the glory of God manifests, it starts coming out the, the tips of our fingers, as it were, and the glory of God manifests in music, the glory of God manifests in art, the glory of God manifests in politics, in government, in, in the judiciary, in the economy, in the way we manage money. The glory of God manifests in our parenting, in the way we rear our children, the, the glory of God manifests in, in every aspect of life. That's what the kingdom's all about. This is why we can neither spiritualize the kingdom and make it only about what happens in our heart, which many people do, neither can we postpone the kingdom and push it to the other side of the second coming. No, it's meant to happen now. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of what? The hope of glory, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. 
so that God is glorified in architecture, so that God is glorified in technology, so that God is glorified in space exploration, so that God is glorified in optometry. He's glorified in medicine. He's glorified in science. He's glorified in transportation. He's glorified in aviation. He's glorified in the lab. He's glorified on the street corner. He's glorified in the culinary arts. He's glorified in the kitchen. He's glorified in the bedroom. He's glorified in the backyard at the barbecue. Every area of life, God receives glory. Do you get this? Do you see how important this really is? This is huge. This is a big deal. And so this is why I keep coming back to this. Every time I have that little lying spirit that comes after me on a Sunday or a Monday and starts trying to mess with my head and tell me, ah, people don't want to hear this. What people really want to hear is three easy steps to tie your shoes in Jesus' name. And here comes that word, the R word, relevance. Ah, is what you're preaching really relevant to everyone's everyday life? And so the temptation becomes, okay, well, then let's do a series on money. Let's do a series on marriage. Let's do a series on sex. Let's do a series on the movies. Let's do a series on this and that and whatever else. Now, whoa, I'm not being critical of people who feel a mandate to do those things. I'm really not. But that's not my mandate. It's not my call. And if all we do is give people those peripheral behavior modification kind of messages that sort of kind of improve people's quality of life, if that's all we give them, ultimately all we're doing is feeding the selfishness that sabotages purpose. The only way we can actually make those things become the manifestation of real purpose and the manifestation of the glory of God in the world, and I mean by that all the topics I just mentioned, all the relevant messages that speak to a person's life and help them improve their quality of life, the only way those things can become of lasting effect and bring lasting glory is if they are rooted in this message I'm talking about right now, the gospel of the kingdom understanding that we must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added to us. So back to this question, is the gospel of the kingdom relevant? Well, I'm going to answer it like this. Without the gospel of the kingdom, nothing else is relevant. It's the heart of relevance. Anything that is actually relevant long-term must be rooted in the primary relevance of the gospel of the kingdom. So my, my prayer, my desire today is that everyone listening to this podcast or hearing this message, that somehow by the Spirit you would be drawn to explore with God how does the kingdom come in your life? What does it look like, first of all, in your own heart? What are the areas of you where you must seek first the kingdom? where you deny yourself, take up your cross, follow Jesus, where you surrender the self-interest that has sabotaged your purpose. First of all, in the heart. And then as the kingdom of God takes root in you, how, what does it look like in your marriage? What does it look like in your finances? What is the rule of God and your cooperation with him in that rule? What does it look like? In what ways can you manifest as the image of God in every area of your life? yourself, 
your marriage, your family, your children, your finances, your neighborhood, your HOA, your PTA, your career, your work, your college, your education, every area of life. You then begin to say, Father, how can I partner with you to see the kingdom of God come in the world? Well, I hope that didn't startle you too bad coming out of nowhere. But anyway, this is what it's all about. This is the relevance of the kingdom of God. It matters. The gospel of the kingdom is a big deal, and I think every Christian should be obsessed with it. Of course I would. That's my message. That's what I'm hung up on. But I don't think it's just for me. I think it's for everybody in the pew, on the street, flying in an airplane overhead, wherever you are. Let the kingdom of God come. Say it with me. Your kingdom come and your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Many blessings to you. I will see you next time. Thank you.